Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. I hear high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, flying solo tonight. Bit of a special episode for you as we get set for the weekend of the 2021 Scotties Tournament of hearts and this year what we decided to do for the scotties is do live broom stacking every afternoon following the afternoon draw after the second draw of the day we've been going live on facebook we've had some guests come on and folks come on just chat about the games and everything going on out in calgary and i thought it'd be fun to compile some of our favorite moments that we've had over the course of the week into an episode and just give you a sense of what it's all about and how we've been doing things over there on Facebook. So just a little teaser of what's been going on on our daily broomstack. And we've had a lot of fun and, and really enjoyed it so far. So it's something that I think we'll continue to do, certainly over the course of the weekend. If you're listening to this as we drop it, Join us Saturday afternoon, about 5.30 Eastern time. Once TSN goes off the air, once those, all those games are done, that's when we fire it up over on Facebook. So let's get right into some of our favorite moments. I'm going to start off with the topic that is always of interest on the broadcast. That is, of course, the advertisements. And this has come up almost every day, the ads that TSN are showing. So the first clip here, when the Professor Appeal, Jonathan Havercroft, joined us on Saturday, the first day of the broom stacking, talking about the ads with him. And then we talked with our friend Ryan McGee and Steph Beckett about the ads on Wednesday. So uh, get a bit of a different vibe there, Ryan, of course, getting those ads in the U.S. So here's a bit of a sense of what we've been talking about in terms of the ads. So, OK, Steve also asked about some of the, the commercials. How do you guys feel about these new Scotty's commercials? that we're all human. I, one of them, I hate with every fiber of my being. The one, the pooping one. And I'm okay with- The rag and bone man with the the song going. Yeah, yeah, but but they use that song (laughs) with, like there's one about spills. I'm okay with the one about spills. Like, all right, paper towel, clean everything up. And I'm even okay with the pooping one, except for the leaky diaper. I don't need to see the leaky diaper. I know that babies poop. Show the guy changing the baby's diaper. I'm okay with that. I don't need to see it leaking out the back at the start of the commercial. That I'm not crazy about. So, yeah, so Steve, you are missing out, I guess. Um, but give me Disney World commercials over that, which is why they're getting on ESPN3 every every end. So, I mean, I like those commercials. I was like, it's got the rag and bone man. It's just like, you know, gets me pumped up. I'm, I've never been so excited to see a toilet. For the toilet paper ad. I mean, let's be like, what other sporting event has been sponsored for 40 years by a toilet paper company, right? It's like, mm-hmm. and this makes it like, like, how do you make toilet? Whoever came up with that ad is brilliant because how do you make toilet paper interesting, right? Talking like, baby. Talking baby. Yeah, it's always like euphemisms. This is like, why you actually need toilet paper? Yeah, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I like I, the. Uh, 
I like the Scotty's commercial too. I'm a, I'm a sucker for like this, like the frenetic um, string music, inspirational, like, mm. you know, 40 years of Scotty sponsoring the Scotty's. So. And the, the, the little girl, you know, getting her tissue box on her foot as a slider and the throwing yeah. the yeah. roll. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for sure. Yeah. The other, the other one, yeah. That Stan mentions in the chat here. Tim Hortons basically oh, yeah. saying, yeah, we, we screwed up the coffee in 2014, <laughs> 2017, but trust us now, we got this. Yeah, we realized <laughs> it was shitty before. But, you know. It's I totally good. This is like an issue in my marriage. My, my wife's American, and early on in our relationship, I said, well, you brought her to Canada. I'm like, well, you have to go to a Timmy's. And she had one Tim Hortons coffee. This is like 2006. She had one Tim Hortons coffee. Too. I was like, she will never go to a Tim Hortons again. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's not good yeah. <laughs> and i have to i kind of like my nationalist side came out i was like oh it's all right i think it's good so I, I tried to do a point but eventually i just had to relent and say yeah it's not it's not a good coffee it's not a good coffee. <laughs> no. yeah. and also no. here's what i wonder okay assuming that these commercials are the tim Hortons commercial is legit where they're like all right here's our 2014 version here's our 2017 version why do they still have those why do they have like how are they making them and putting them in cups? These versions uh, are terrible that they haven't made in four years. How are they able to do that? I'm, well, they have I'm, those big tins that you can buy that are like thought, perfect yeah. for your follow-up bunker, right? Like they never go bad. <laughs> Maybe they still have those Arabica beans, the bags of yeah. Arabica beans. Nothing but pure Arabica beans. Oh man, I gotta say, like I'm, I, I love the curlings back on. I am so excited to work, Scott, because we're doing it uh, yeah. in May, curling commercials for this season. We're going to do another ranking of them. All right. Yeah. Oh, and Sean, you should, uh, you should tweet out a link to our uh, our one from last year. Cause, yeah. Uh, that's that pretty fun. fun yeah. 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 Are you going to compare? Do you think this year's early, early mm. impressions stronger or? I think slightly stronger, but we haven't, we have yet to see any, anything about pod shatter. Right? Yeah. We haven't gotten really into the depth of the agricultural commercials yet. So yeah, we just got some about are. tractors, and that's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I really want to see what those are all about before we make any any judgments. But initially, stronger, with the exception of leaky diaper. Where's my WFG commercial this year? Uh, WFG uh, commercial. I thought they got out of. Uh, are thought, they done sponsoring? Uh, I thought. World Financial Group got out of curling sponsorship. Let me do it then. Yeah. Well, didn't they sponsor? Are they still on the can on the Continental Cup? No, I thought that they got out of. Got out of that? I remember seeing something about that this um, this summer. Okay. I thought yeah. I remember because I remember talking to Jonathan about it. I was like, "This is like, like how many curlers work for WFG?" Exactly. <laughs> Because when I saw it, I was like, this is bad for Canadian curling. Yeah. <laughs> Employ like half of their curlers. Yeah. Well, I, I texted Steph when she brought that up that I like to believe that uh, WFG, uh, that Jennifer Jones, WFG advisor has just done, done so well for her that she doesn't need to do the ads anymore. She's in yeah. such a secure financial place <laughs> that uh, everything's okay. Her and Brent are fine. Because the best, the best part of those commercials was Brent Lang was just sort of in the background. <laughs> See, I don't, <laughs> don't get those. Oh. Okay, so yeah, what commercials are you getting on ESPN Plus or Three or whatever you're watching? Uh, Kroger, 
and Disney World is primarily what I get. So you don't get to learn about Club Root or what are the other? Clarithinia, Podshatter. Yeah. I only get the ones that they show while they're showing Lead Rocks. Oh, you're missing oh, out so, on they, so they still show those ads in the box? Like, so it's the TSN the, feed with yeah. the, oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. I've been surprised too. We've gotten like these Shaquille O'Neal, is it Epson printer ads? Oh, I've been getting those. Randomly huh. thrown in? I would get, maybe they just take all of the uh, Canadian ads out. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Have you seen an acorn stair lift yet? My mom, our mom, or my mom, because Scott's not here, I shouldn't say our, uh, <laughs> is asking acorn stair lift? Nope, I haven't. No. <laughs> King of your own castle again. What about the, do you get the Tim Hortons ones? Because you guys have Tim Hortons in the States. Do you get the Tim Hortons? Our dark roast was terrible, and it was terrible, even worse, and now it's getting a little better. That reminds me of the Domino's ads. I don't know if you guys have Domino's in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Domino's ads like five, six years ago where they were like, yeah, we know our pizza sucks, so we completely <laughs> redid everything. Sorry, we've been so terrible for the last <laughs> The commercials are weird. They're basically saying, hey, everybody who's bought our stuff, because it's it's not only the coffee one, it's the egg sandwich thing, too. Oh, yeah, we're using they're, real fresh eggs. They're basically saying, hey, everyone who's bought our stuff over the past 10 years, you're all chumps. It all sucked. <laughs> like, what? Domino's... Um, Ad uh, ad campaigns were basically. Yeah, and isn't Domino's is basically now a tech company that happens to sell pizza, right? That's the way I've seen it framed. Yeah. Is basically what? A tech company that just happens to sell pizza as well. Well, that uh, the guy that used to be their CEO or whatever, the guy that like invented the Noid, uh, he is now the athletic director at University of Michigan. Yeah, so always a hot topic, the ads. A lot of fun to break them down, and we'll see if anything new comes up as we get through the briar, the mix, and the worlds. Uh, next up, our friend Dean Moser joined us on Sunday, and Dean is back curling at the recreational level. He lives in Ottawa, as do Scott and I. Where Dean plays, the club decided to reopen. Where Scott and I played, it didn't. So we get a sense of how things are going at the rec level for Dean. And in the chat, we had some folks chime in on what the situation was locally for them. So they're bubbled out in Calgary. Here's the sense of what's going on for us at the rec level. And Dean, uh, uh, I guess uh, famously, maybe not that famously, but uh, the Reno Curling Club is still opening. Yeah, You're reopening this week. I was going to ask you guys, actually, how do you feel about your season being done? Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I know yeah, we we curled uh, we curled this week. Um, okay, we'll see. I mean, did did I'm not your sure club... I'm 100% confident we'll get through the next two months without another shutdown. But fair. I did you keep the ice in for the yeah. whole uh, shutdown? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the difference, right? They they had it ready yeah. to go if and when they got the green light, right? So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, they did lose a few teams, but uh, okay, but they're still still going. So, right yeah. on. And when you uh, when you go out there, you feel pretty safe. Yeah, I I mean I don't think about it too much, right? I mean everybody sanitizes, everybody's wearing masks. You're not getting in people's faces. So honestly, I do. Like I don't feel really that it's a whole lot riskier than going to the grocery store. So. Right on. 
In fact, you're probably in less close proximity than you are in some of the aisles in the grocery store. So, yeah. And, you know, depending on the draw, like the seven o'clock draw, you can stay for it, or the five o'clock draw, rather, you could stay for a day. Right. But the other two draws, essentially, you're, you play your game and you're, you're out. You're just gone. Honestly, I don't feel too much at risk. I think the the benefit of just getting out of the house and doing an activity that I enjoy is definitely outweighs, I think, whatever risk there is. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely do miss that for sure. Dammers says uh, you got the orange light to return, which is, of course, (laughs) the the color code code of Ottawa (laughs) and our provincial guidelines. Yes, in the orange zone. Say in the chat, like Andrew's saying, no Scotia clubs have had it really good. Uh, no spiels, but they've not was- missed a week of league curling so far. Really, really, really great. Glad to hear that. Yeah, Sean, we haven't played since before Christmas. And we're not going to anymore, uh, which is okay. But uh, I guess like the eight weeks we got or we're better than nothing. Yeah. Five, five, and one. My official record for the That's season. That's your record? That's yeah, because not kind of the last game was a loss. Oh, we lost. We lost on a draw of the button, and I was I was the sweeper for Sean's rock. I hammered it end to end, and did it make the rings? I don't even think it made the rings. No, it didn't. Yeah. Did so I needed a second sweeper. Is, is what I'm saying. And uh, <laughs> damn yeah, protocols. Damn protocols. <laughs> and and Allison out there in Newfoundland. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, like a, another outbreak and, and just shut everything down. I think that's great. I think that's the way to do it. Uh, don't take any chances. Shut everything down. Get everything under control again. Yeah, the Newfoundland's been doing really well uh, so far. So Now, last week before the Scotties started, Dynasty Curling released the jersey designs that they're using for 2021. And most of the reaction was positive. I think a lot of folks like the throwback design. The colors look great, uh, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with the jerseys. I kind of think they look better in the photos than they're showing up on TV, at least in a couple of cases for some of the teams. But overall, I think the jerseys are great. They look very stylish. But there are some folks who don't like them all the way, or at least it's not universal praise for the uniforms. And on Monday, we were joined by Megan Huff, who let us know what she thought of some of these designs. You have some stuff that you want to talk about. You mentioned colors and the jerseys. Why, why, why have they reversed the, it took me a while to figure out why I didn't like the Northern Ontario jersey. And then I suddenly realized, so I'm wearing Northern Ontario. I am from Northern Ontario, very proudly. Mm-hmm. Currently eligible to play out of Northern Ontario again. <laughs> Thank you residency requirement or rules. But they, I couldn't figure out why I didn't like the Northern Ontario jersey. And then I realized they flipped the colors. And so yellow is the most prominent yes. as opposed to the green. And it's not a true yellow. It's some strange, like, greenish yellow. And it's driving me bonkers. <laughs> so many of the other jerseys are, are they're so beautiful. But sp- I don't understand that switch. And I don't like it. And so the PEI is also not true colors. They've gone from a bright purple to the maroon. I don't know if you noticed that as well. Like I actually went and looked up all of the jerseys to figure out what was going on with the color schemes. Those were the two that were the most obvious. Okay. Um, and it, it just it's bugging me. I don't know why it needed to happen. I think it would be more attractive the other way around. I don't understand. 
and the whole well, wild card thing. I don't understand why three wild card teams, but two of them get to wear their provincial colors, and one of them, only one of them, is wild card. But they're still technically wild card when you look on the screen. Like harmonize it somehow. I. <laughs> so, so uh, from what I understand, so, so Zacharias wild card two mm -hmm. is wearing the Manitoba blue which is a color that uh, somebody on Twitter said like, oh, Kerry Burtnick wore that color in 1981 when he won the Nationals. He was wearing baby blue out of Manitoba. Uh, and wildcard one, Chelsea Carey, they're sort of the reverse of the Jones jerseys that we saw, right? So yeah. Jones is wearing the yellow with the brown accents and then Carey's wearing the brown with the yellow. Uh, they're still being branded wildcard one, wildcard two, but uh, I, I, I mentioned- Like they're not, the backs of their jerseys have the Manitoba crest or yes. the, or the moose, the, not the moose, the uh, the buffalo. Yes. And that's and, where I'm like, that's a, that's a line for me. So they <laughs> wanted, the, the reason, the, so the reason that was given was that they only wanted one team branded as team wildcard on the jerseys that the last team into the field, that's the wild card team. That's the way it's been for the past few years. That's the way they wanted. I'm not saying that's right, but that's why it is the way. But we're, it's it still a provincial, territorial, national championship. Every time they've tried to change that, there's been an uproar. There's a real yeah. um, strong feeling in Canada that you represent your province or territory. Mm -hmm. and. So the Manitoba team should be the only Manitoba team. So, and the same will go for the men. Like you've got at least two, Glenn Howard's coming as wildcard out of Ontario. Sure, maybe Ontario referenced colors, but he should be wildcard, same as the other two wildcard. This, like I feel bad for the Manitoba team. They're one of three, as opposed to the Manitoba team. When you look at like the visual of the jerseys and when you look at them just on the ice, you're not sure what's going on. Right, well, to be fair, they're one of five, right, really. Like, if, if, you like, only want, if you only want one Manitoba team there, you gotta kick four of them out. Well, Team Canada's always been a thing, like in the women's side, it's always mm -hmm. been a thing, we'll accept that one. And it's a different branding identity for sure. And and I do kind of like Ryan's uh, suggestion here in the chat that yeah, just suit the wildcard teams like uh, hearts, spades, uh, clubs, diamonds, sure. Part of what uh, what we talked about with Manitoba is that, well, number one, they, they didn't crown the last year's champion because they're a team what Canada now. So the team that they're sending is the team that finished second in the provincial, so they didn't win the provincial. And then the first two wildcard teams also didn't win the provincial last year or this year. So like... Yeah, well, Saskatchewan couldn't have a returning team. They picked somebody. So, you yeah. know, other yeah. provinces had the same problem. You yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, because yeah. because Manitoba is the one that had three teams. Like, none of them earned the right to be Manitoba, really. It's still arbitrary. So, can we? It, I'm not arguing that it's arbitrary. I'm saying that we should be clear about what's arbitrary. Yeah, no, it, it, you're right. It is very arbitrary. I, here, here's what I would say, though, in I don't know defense of Dynasty or Curling Canada, is that the designs look cool so like it looks cooler to have the buffalo shaped manitoba than to have wc on the back of your shirt so i just look like this is a weird year yeah almost no teams earn the privilege of being their province but we've still decided that we're gonna have provincial teams 
So there should only be one official Manitoba team. Right, and there is only one official Manitoba. Except the, there's two others who are branded as if they are. I just, that's... Blah. <laughs> so it's just going to bother me for a week, and then the world will... No, 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 it's not going to bother you for a week. Because Andrew <laughs> asks, uh, this will bother you for... Two, two weeks. We're getting this for the briar too, uh, so it will be uh, it will be the same thing. Now we won't have five Manitoba teams in the field, so the teams that would be branded under their province presumably will be, I think McEwen and Cooey would be branded as like Alberta two and then Manitoba two in a way, and then Glenn Howard will be the official wildcard team as the last entry into the field. So we'll see what they do for those two. Who knows what, what they'll come up with. But Dynasty has been pretty cool on the, the designs, certainly. So uh, I'm, I'm sure. not arguing they're cool designs. I'm arguing that this is still a provincial territorial championship. So ah. yeah, yeah. next year, next, next year, we'll get back to it. And hey, if it makes you feel any better, Beth Peterson does have the Manitoba crest on her sleeve. I think it's on her sleeve. Yeah, I was I was trying to find out what they had at the last couple of years for the wildcard team because I do remember the crest was somewhere in the jersey. And so, yeah, the sleeve is where it is, which, you know, whatever. Uh, ratings are arbitrary and reductive. So, uh, yeah, so are uniforms, I guess. So there's that. Let us know what you think about the jerseys, as I said. I very much enjoy them with the, maybe a couple exceptions. But overall, I think the jerseys do look very, very nice. Now, on Wednesday, we had a bit of a controversial moment in one of the games. Uh, Mackenzie Zacharias was playing the opponent. I believe it was Beth Peterson's team. They had a burned rock in that game. Mackenzie Zacharias left the rock in play, as, of course, it's the non-offending team who has the option or, or gets to make the decision on what happens with a burned stone. She left it in play, ended up giving up a deuce in the end. And there was some back and forth online about what is the proper thing to do in that scenario. Of course, famously in 2018, Rachel Holman in the Olympics pulled a stone that had been burned and there was some criticism of her for that. Uh, but again, you know, the, the, it's sort of, it, it's an almost a no-win situation when the other team burns a stone. So we had a pretty lengthy discussion on Wednesday about what is right and, and what should happen when there is a burned stone. And this is a conversation Scott and I had with Steph Beckett and Ryan Olson, who joined us on the stream. Now let's talk about the thing that uh, garnered a lot of attention in that feature game. Early on, second end, there is a burned rock. Team Peterson burns a rock. Mackenzie Zacharias lets it stay where it is. She leaves it in play. That contributes to the two points for Peterson. A lot of people online seem to be praising that decision by Mackenzie Zacharias, including uh, Russ Howard then on the broadcast, really supportive of that. I don't necessarily want to talk about the specific moment there and what that means, but let's talk just in general about burned rock etiquette and what teams should do when there is a burned rock. I have strong feelings about this, but Steph, let's start with you. What do you think should happen or should be the rule or the, the sort of what, what the regular thing that happens when a, a rock is burned? Well, I've seen both sides where the skip's like, no, you touched it, it's gone, which in some respects I think is probably the way it almost should go, except if it's an intentional burn because you don't like what's happening. 
right. then that's not really in the sport sportsmanship sense of things. But yeah, like I mean, if as soon as you touch it, automatically say, "Look, I did something." Back away, and then let let them see what happens. Because if it happens early enough, or if you're gonna wreck something else, it's almost nice for the skip to know what's happening at the time it's happening, as opposed to having to reset all the rocks because they let it see what happened and then didn't really like to see what happened kind of thing. But I've seen it happen both ways where they just automatically take it off or like, nah, just leave it. It's not going to change anything. And, and to my mind, uh, uh, let me chip in uh, my opinion without being asked is uh, <laughs> if, if, you know, burning the stone, if it doesn't greatly change the trajectory or the speed of the stone, I say, whatever like it was an accident you hit the stone it's probably going to go the same place then whatever who cares even if it's a, a disadvantage for me because because like it it doesn't like materially impact what's going on right at if you know if there's a stone and you hit it with your broom and it you know makes a takeout that was obviously going to miss you know you like push yeah. it into it then yeah that's a burn stone like don't do it uh, or if, you know, you push it sideways and it ends up like, let's say you, you push it sideways, it ends up good for me, then maybe I should be able to say, well, hey, like, uh, no, just leave it there. Uh, no big deal. Right. And the, the problem you get into if you involve the official is that the official then has to decide whether it's good for the non-offending team or not. And they're, they're not supposed to have any of that kind of uh, implicit bias. Right. You're, you're right. But, but the the way I look at it right now, the officials are kind of there as like window dressing. They don't really do all that much. They they time the timeouts, and that's basically except the measure. Oh, and the measure, yes, and uh, <laughs> which just gets people mad, right? Like, yeah, that that, that that they're even there doing that, uh, and then they move the jackets out of the way uh, that are mm -hmm. thrown on the end boards. That's really all they do. And what what is frustrating about this is that if we take it back to 2018. Rachel Homan took a rock out of play and got crushed for it. And I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair to Mackenzie Zacharias either to have to say, well, leave the rock in play. And it hurts her competitively. The point of like, you know, I don't want to go to Herm Edwards here, but the, the you play to win, right? That's why you're there is to yeah. win the game. The other team broke a rule and intentional or not, it shouldn't be on the other team. It's not like, so if the, Canadians are playing the Maple Leafs and there's a tripping penalty like the, uh, like John Tavares trips a, a Canadian guy. The Canadians can't be like, no, he didn't mean to do it. Don't worry about it. Like that, That's not a thing in any other sport. It's only in this sport. And I find it super frustrating that it's dependent on the non-offending team to be put in this no-win situation as to where we where we sit right now. So... See, I thought part of the reason why they were the ones that were allowed to decide was because when they initially had the, if you burn the rockets automatically out, there were teams that were using it in the sense that yeah. I'm going to do more harm than good because I'm way wide or I'm super heavy. So I'm just going to burn this rock to make sure it doesn't do any damage. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of why it was put on the non-offending skip shoulders in the sense that they're not being penalized because poor sportsmanship on the other side. But, but it does put them in a hard spot. But there's nothing you can do. Like, even in this situation, if the other team falls in front of the rock, like, oh, it's going to do something bad for us. If they fall in front of it, the non-offending team can't 
really in good conscience say, well, this would have happened this way. No. But they're but they're allowed to. They are allowed to, and then they're going to get yeah. crushed for that. So uh, Ryan sure. Olson is here. I'm very excited. Ryan Olson uh, is joining us. Hey. Hello, Ryan. Uh, welcome to the stream. Happy to be here. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing well. Doing good. Thank you. Uh, I like your backdrop of a very empty, spread out office. <laughs> yes, I'm at work right now. <laughs> very good. Uh, so, all right, what are you? Is this why you joined to talk about uh, burned rocks, or do you have something else on your mind? I'm happy to chat about the burned rocks um, because I'm I'm a relatively new curler, uh, although five years. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, I do understand like the no-win situation, but like just also like how curling. You know, we, we kind of have to enforce our own rules. And I do feel like it's it's like to, to put it on the non-offending team to decide the outcome, even though it does get people's hackles up when you have like a home-in situation in 2018. Um, but just like, you know, it's like why, like if, if, if the other team committed a foul, why should the non-offending team have to be penalized for it? Right. And, and so like the rule generally makes sense. Although when you come up with these specific situations, you do have... Like, you know, like, okay, well, this, you know, it could have done it differently or that's not, that's not very sporting. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And uh, there was a, a clip I saw today reminded me of in the 2018 Paralympic Games where the Canadian skip couldn't get out of the way and uh, a rock that was going out of play mm -hmm. hit uh, the wheel and it allowed China to score and eventually win that game. Um, in a situation where the rock was clearly going out, yeah, uh, right. but he touched it, they left it in. And so it, it really is a tough spot. And how do you deal with these situations? And it, it almost it brings me back to this debate that we have in the sport right now and, and where the sport is, is, is it a professional sport? And that, that really the whole point is to win or does it, you know, what, what remains from that amateur era? of this romantic time in curling that we kind of look back on of this gentlemanly game, if I can put it in that term. And I'm not sure that type of stuff has a place in the elite game anymore. If I'm being honest. I mean, right. But, uh, I, but I think you're like having the official there sort of takes away uh, the, the opportunity for the non-offending team to, to take some advantage uh, or to say, no, it's fine, right? I, I know that it's like, you say it's a no-win situation. I mean, sure, they'd get killed on social media, but at the end of the day, who cares? Like Rachel Holman got killed on social media. At the end of the day, she didn't make the playoffs. That's what she was remembered for, not for that, right? So, Although okay. Steve in the chat just notes... Uh... <laughs> Matt Hamilton made a joke about this in a, in a game a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah. uh, but, but I, I think, too, if you remember back, the Continental Cup in 2019 uh, in Vegas, uh, there was a situation where Ben Hebert touched a rock that was going out of play, and Bruce Mowat took – it had to have been – it felt like 20 minutes, but I'm sure it was only like 10 um, but he really struggled with what to do because it was mm -hmm. a rock that was flying out of play. There was no chance it was going to stay in play, but Hebert touched it uh, unintentionally. And mm -hmm. Mo was like, well, should we remove it? Should we keep it in? And it was a really long discussion. Yeah. The crowd was kind of on him, uh, more so to just keep playing than anything else. Mm -hmm. And he eventually, and then he missed his shot. And I asked him about it afterwards in the, in the scrum area. And he was like, yeah, that was totally in my head. And that's, <laughs> 
And that's in an event that doesn't matter in the Continental Cup. It's just yeah. an exhibition. It's just a TV show. And yet here this this guy is who really struggles with that. Like if that was in the Olympics, like God forbid that's like a gold medal game in the Olympics, a big shot. And the official's like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, oh. Uh... So that's that's sort of where I land on it. Yeah, Ryan, go ahead. A couple of points. I mean, I see the fact that people take like, you know, curlers at all levels take it seriously. So like the whole like you know the you know once it crosses the hard line, you know, take you out of play, reset, or what would have happened and stuff. And like no one's going to say, oh well, you know, they would have actually knocked out all their stones and left our stones in the house. Like no one does that. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's one check against the whole like you know enforcing the rules the second thing i thought of is like who do we want to enforce the rules we mentioned the officials before um but it's come up in the scotties because the eye and the hawk's not present yeah. so you'd have a situation like in golf where you had like people like watching on tv it's like oh no he didn't you know and it's like we're gonna phone it in and it's like you know <laughs> Nadia, like assess a penalty or something like that it's like no one's like people are kind of saying oh well some people are over the hog this time, but like no one's no one's like calling Curling Canada mm -hmm. to say it's like you know that's a violation. They should lose a point or anything like that. I think yeah. when it comes to who we want to enforce the rules, I think curlers primarily with the spirit of curling, and then officials. Mm -hmm. And then third point is like sometimes the officials are very picky with the rules because you had that that minor broomgate scandal with, with the men's worlds two yeah, years mm -hmm. ago now, mm -hmm. and I thought that was not really with the spirit of curling, even though it was not. Uh, it was a, a rules violation. Yeah, that's right. That's right. With Team Norway losing the game uh, yeah. due to playing with uh, the wrong broom. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you there, Ryan. I think you're right. It, absolutely. The curlers are the ones we want enforcing the rules because we don't want anybody to feel like they can't speak up and say that they've uh, touched a stone, right? Uh, you know, you're sweeping. Sometimes you touch a stone. It happens. And sometimes the other team might not notice it, right? Because it's very minor. But you should still, you know, say, "Hey, I think I touched that stone when we, I, we were sweeping." You, you're up to you to decide what you want to do with it. And if we go to a world where, you know, it's the officials enforcing everything, then it's the players against the officials, and you get a case in tennis where you get John McEnroe style arguing, which it wouldn't be bad for the TV, to be honest. Uh, uh, a little more Ben Hebert screaming at the official uh, wouldn't be bad for TV, but I think it would be bad for the sport overall. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're already mic'd up. We could get a Earl Weaver umpire thing. You're, you're, a, li you're a liar, Benny. You're a liar. Uh, that, type of, uh, that type of a club. Yeah, the, the thing that is tough, if, if it does go to officials, that most times where a rock is touched, you can't tell. Can't Only tell. the person who touches it can tell. <laughs> so that, that's what makes it really difficult. You don't want an official walking down with each rock. Uh, sort of staring at it yeah. and so it is dependent on the offending team to call it and if there's official there they're probably not going to call it because they're going to say okay. well it's the official's job yeah yeah because i mean even now since they're not using the rock handle lights it's nice to see that part where it is on the team themselves onus to say yeah i'm not going to have a hog line violation kind of thing mm -hmm. it's nice mm -hmm. to see that happen again as opposed to rock malfunctioning and you see the lights going off even though it didn't go off and it's just kind of everybody's just chilling out a little bit more just going back to playing which is nice to see and then finally the last clip and this is something that we don't actually know yet what is going to happen but it is in the area of tiebreakers normally at a national championship curling canada leaves lots of time 
for tiebreakers, of course, this year don't really have that option given that the schedule is so compact as we went to 18 teams. So there is a chance that things could get very complicated as we get to Saturday night and into Sunday morning. So on Thursday, Glenn Robbins joined us and we broke down a little bit of what the tiebreakers could look like. So, so Sean, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about tiebreakers because, of course, we talked a lot. Of, everybody got all excited during the yeah. – and, of course, nothing happened. <laughs> but, yeah, if I understand, they basically only have time to have one tiebreaker that's, that schedules that tight or possibly two. Yeah, right. if they really wanted to, they could have one Saturday night late. I, I really don't think they want to. Uh, there have been events where they've gone really late into the night. Uh, like the road to the roar, they've done it before, but they don't want to because for a bunch of reasons, including TV. Uh, so they've only really scheduled in Sunday morning as a noted tiebreak spot. So if there is a, a point where we have a lot of teams in a big cluster, they will use last, draw, last shot draw wow. and the average of that to eliminate teams if they need to. And mm -hmm. we have a, a chat with the guys from Rocks Across the Pond if that happens, I'm never going on Twitter ever again. Uh, that, that's going to be it. If we thought yesterday in the debate over what game they should show on TV yeah. got a little rough, <laughs> eliminating teams on last shot draw, uh, I don't think that's going to go over well, although there's precedent for it in the world, in world events. But, now, d does the does that take precedent over face-to-face, -face, like the one-on-one -on -one records? No. Or no, okay. it, it would be, but if you have a three-way tie, say, and, they right. no, one and they're one, all one and one, yeah, then the the team with the worst last shot draw would be eliminated in that case. So arguably you're saying if three teams tied for third, yeah, and they only say they're only going to do one tiebreaker, then whoever has the, I guess, the long draw, not the short draw. Yeah. Well, they would they would first go to record amongst the common teams. So right. it would be uh, like head to head in a two way tie, head yep. to head in a three way tie, and if everybody's one and one, right, then they'd go to last stone draw. And if they're tied after last stone draw, they'll take away the longest, like the farthest out, oh, and recalculate okay. the total, and then huh. keep doing that if huh. it's the same. Wow. Yeah. yeah, but again, like, but if it's a situation in a three way tie where one team has gone two and zero. Oh, against the other two right and that team gets through and then yeah. the team that beat the other team so whoever's zero and two in that scenario goes out so they'll always lean towards the games themselves mm -hmm. but uh, last shot draw is in there as a potential uh, tiebreaker if needed and there's as we said there's not a lot of time to break try take break well as long as it's not the first one yeah i wasn't quite sure i i, I yeah. of course and like with with twitter you hear different things but half of it's yeah. not true but um it's uh and and uh, so that's good. Yeah, head to head should always take precedent over right. over anything else. And then so there you have it, everybody. A bit of a sense of what we've been doing over on Facebook throughout the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. As I say, if you're listening to this on Saturday as we drop it, please do join us Saturday afternoon, 5:30 ish. Again, whenever the TSN games are all done as the broadcast goes off there. That's when we fire it up over on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Game of Stones podcast, and we'll tweet out the links each time. So please do join us for a little broom stacking as we get set for the playoffs. And of course, here on the feed, we will have a instant reaction breakdown on Sunday night. It probably won't get up until 
early Monday morning, 12.30, 1 a.m. Eastern time by the time we record and get it up. It'll be there for you if you're out west Sunday night or it'll be waiting for you Monday morning if you are in the east. So very much looking forward to the playoffs and the whole weekend out in Calgary. And then look out on Monday or Tuesday. We'll be dropping our Briar preview as the Briar is starting next Friday. So a lot of action out in Calgary is just going to keep coming. We only get four days off between these things. Hopefully that's enough time for Vic and Kathy to uh, rest up and get things fired up for the Briar. So thanks everybody for listening. I hope you've been enjoying the curling. It's been a lot of fun to have it back on the air. And I think that overall the action has been very entertaining. Certainly early in the week, not as crisp and precise as you might be used to. Certainly that would be a product of teams just not having played for a while. But I think overall it's been a very entertaining week of curling out in Calgary. And hopefully we see that through the weekend into a good final. So enjoy it. We'll be along every step of the way. And if you want to follow along, we are there on Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. Same with Instagram and, as I said, the Facebook page there for you. And, of course, we're over at GameofStonesPod.com. You can find all our past episodes and blog posts over there. And also the merch. And, of course, all proceeds from the merch go to Food Banks Canada. We are matching those as well. And please do subscribe to the feed if you have not yet. Everything delivered right to you. And uh, of course, please do give us the ratings, the likes, all that good stuff helps us beat the algorithm. And if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. So we'll be with you again on Sunday night after the game. But until then, enjoy the games and keep your broom on the ice. Don't dump that intern. <laughs>